Hello, hello, hola. Welcome to another episode of the <laughs> <laughs> right, We can't keep saying it's a fat laugh like that. I'm going to take it again. Uh, just Brian's face whenever I do it. Have you, did you guys, I got to find that song and send it to you guys. Anyway. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Clever Kids Podcast. This is a weekly podcast where three brothers take a look at a topic from popular culture that you may or may not care about. My name is Tyler. Hey, you got Brian here. And the most important one, Jeff, is also here. Called down with the prayers uh, from the listeners. <laughs> I don't know. I should really write these things out. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> I, was, I was representing ourselves as gods like they were in the movie. I see. This week we're talking about Thor, Love, and Thunder. To no surprise from anybody who's listening to this podcast because it's in the title of the podcast. Um, but yeah, so there's going to be spoilers no matter what we're going to start with a quick, you know, five minute response from each of us, but odds are one of us is going to slip and say something. So just be careful if you haven't seen this movie, but then immediately afterwards, we're going to fully spoil this. I mean, uh, boilerplate spoilers for like any film. If you hear us reference the title of a film and you haven't seen it, spoilers are incoming. That's just oh, going to yeah. happen. In fact, I don't know what movie we talked about last week. I think it was Stranger Things, which is not a movie. But odds are I'm going to spoil that during this. So, yeah. Just... In, in fact, if you're listening to this podcast at all, just expect that we're going to spoil anything you are interested or care about. Yeah. We're going to ruin it. And we're doing it on purpose. Even things want that to are not you. related to With... topics that we cover, we're just going to ruin it. With you in mind specifically, Plan whatever you it. care about, we so have a list. If it does happen, you're not disappointed. So Jeff is a lot like uh, Professor X from the X-Men. He's a telepath, powerful telepath. Um, you know, the character who had his neck broken in Doctor Strange. He had his that face, character. he had his entire skull ripped in half. There you go. That one. Yeah. So she literally, he, can, she, he she, knows what you haven't seen and what you care about being spoiled, which, and he I, tells us before each episode who's going to listen and what they want spoiled, don't I love want that. spoiled, and then we purposely target that. I love yep. that you just spoiled the multiverse of madness with that say. <laughs> You're just like, yeah, that's, Professor X, the one who the the the, the very popular character of the 1960s perfect. comics. No, 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 the one who perfect dies example. in the yeah. film that just came out. Although that to be character, fair, to be fair, if he's in a movie, he's probably going to die in it. Yeah. And I will say, Jeff, thank you for very much for pointing out that very obvious joke that I did. I really appreciate you explaining it immediately after I said it. I appreciate that very much. Um, all right. Uh, Jeff, how did you feel about Thor Love and Thunder? Yeah. Um, it is campy as shit. And uh, I loved it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that it was a, I'm not gonna say that it was like a great Marvel movie. It just perfectly set out. It accomplished everything that it set out to accomplish. It wasn't trying hard to be anything like it, anything that previously existed. Um, yeah, I um, I enjoyed it. A little weird at times, um, but somehow also just like incredibly cinematic. Um, there's some just some of the most beautiful fight scenes that I think we've seen on film, um, or at least to, to this universe. I'll, I'll caveat that so Tyler doesn't bite my head off. Um, yeah. 
Brian, what did you think? It was terrible, and I loved it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I I'm, I want to change, like, suggest a, a title change to Thor: Like in Thunder, uh, because I'm I'm just lukewarm on it. I, I I enjoyed it, but it wasn't something that I'm in love with. So I think love was a little strong there, and uh, it was okay. I, I I enjoyed it for what it was. Obviously, there's things that I can point to for flaws, um, but overall, I would say if you're a Marvel fan at all, you have to absolutely go see the movie. Yeah, I, I like I like that the uh, the like and thunder thing because I think for me. I echo both of your guys' points in that this movie is very campy and um, very funny. Um, And I think it had like an underlying message that was interesting, but I don't know if it necessarily worked in the same way that I felt like Ragnarok worked. And, but I did still enjoy my time in the theater. I enjoyed watching it um, the whole time. But again, just like I said, I think during Dr. Strange, which was, I, I enjoyed my time in the theater, but I don't know if I'll watch this very much. Going, it's like this isn't going to be like Ragnarok, where I just like chuck it on in the background while I'm doing the dishes or something. You know what I mean? Like I watch Thor Ragnarok kind of a lot, or I have watched it a lot. I don't, you, you get it. Um, I don't know if Love and Thunder is going to have the same rewatch that um, that I feel for that movie. I mean, I would put Ragnarok like really high on my list of Marvel movies. And I was really excited for this one to see, like, if when they gave Taika a larger budget, how what he would do with it. And I feel like he fumbled a little bit on it. And I think we'll talk about that going forward. But again, I liked it um, in our rating system, which is don't bother seeing this or wait for it to come out or go see it. I think we're all in the go see it in theaters uh, side of that. So, um, yeah, we can move on to spoilers. Who's got the first uh, first point? Um, I, I want to start chronologically. Just say real quick. Whoa, we all got things to say right up top. Sorry, sorry. Brian, the first I, I time have... I, I usually have to like pull your fucking teeth out to get you guys to comment on Brian anything. To go. I'm, well, I don't have. You're going to be able to have the first thoughts on this specific movie. My only thought is a general uh, mention of this is the only original Avengers member still with movies coming out. So you He's know, the only original Avengers member who's alive. Oh, Hawkeye. So, oh, and the Hulk. Okay, yeah. He is the only one that's still movies coming out. And I think that's a testament to Chris Hemsworth. Just like really, I think he, I was going to mention this later, but I think that he is down to just keep playing Thor because he's like, he's like, I'm never going to be like an actor who wins awards. You know what I mean? I think he knows that he's not that kind of actor, that he's like an action hero actor. You know what I mean? So he's like, why wouldn't I just keep doing these like really fun, ridiculous movies where I get to play like this hot space god who's like yeah. super powerful? I watched. Uh, oh, we're in full spoilers territory now for every movie ever made and TV show and anything I've watched. I will mention how it ends. Um, I watched uh, Infinity War and Endgame uh, leading up to this to kind of get into headspace. Where was Thor last time we saw him? Right and. Um, infinity war thor is such a badass during that whole movie like holding open a dying star and getting like obliterated by his rays (laughs) he shows up at the battle of wakanda and it like single-handedly turns the tide like he just like shows up and everyone's like oh we're good 
we're like they're all getting overrun and when he shows up everybody basically cheers because they're like oh yeah that god who controls the elements just showed he up he could have won that army could. fight by himself he does he's like blasting through fucking ships yeah. he's he doesn't give a fuck he's another like, tier of, of yeah and i was like yeah no wonder Chris Hemsworth's like, yeah, I'll keep playing Thor until they tell me to stop. Like, he awesome. just shows up and he's the coolest character. He's yeah. such a badass. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think that that's why, you know, to, an- or to answer the question you didn't ask, I think there's a reason that he's the, uh, you know, and I think that's it. Is that He's just like, fuck yeah, I'll just play yeah. this, like, badass action Viking. So that was it. That was my point, is just to express general appreciation. I mean, Thor's been my favorite of the Avengers since day one. Like, I absolutely love his character i love what it's evolved into i'll admit the first couple of movies were a little rocky but at the same time at the same time perfect casting decision and i just want to see as much of thor on screen as i can and so i've just i wanted to express appreciation because yesterday i was sitting down in the theater and i had a moment before the movie came on where i was like this is cool that we're still getting the opportunity to see one of the original avengers getting original movies you know, new original movies still. Like, we're still getting that experience because there's going to come a day at some point where we're getting Marvel movies and we're going to be looking back at the original Avengers cast and think, man, it was so it was such a, a fun feeling to get original additions to the universe from those original characters and we don't get those anymore. But the fact that we're still getting, you know, a, a, a couple here and there is, is, is a good feeling. So I'm, I'm trying to enjoy it while it lasts. But anyway, Jeff, go ahead. Yeah, yeah your- I... I um. I echo all those sentiments. I agree very strongly with everything that you just said. Um, but specifically to, me, though, right? To to get into the points. film itself, um, I was blindsided by the opening scene. Um, yes, we didn't get the Marvel Studios banner up top. Yeah, it start. I thought it was just another trailer. Yep. Uh, at first, people were still talking in yep. my theater. Yeah. I was like, "That guy looks like Christian Bale." Is this the movie? Yeah. This is this is the the movie. What is what? <laughs> yeah, it was a while into that opening scene Wait, before you guys people didn't get stopped the talking. Marvel thing with like all the different like quick shots of the different movies and stuff. That happened came after, after Christian uh, Bale's scene where he kills the god. I didn't notice that. But. Yeah, yeah, it just like kind of like starts, and I every I was like, "What movie is this? I'm not aware of this movie." And then I'm like, "Oh." That's Christian Bale. He's bald. He's got tattoos on his face in the same spot that Gore from the trailers has all the scars. This must be the next Batman. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> it's it's oh sad. Oh my god, they're finally doing the dark the Dark Knight Returns or whatever. Not yeah. dark. Yeah. No. What's the second? How this? great how great would Christian Bale be as Victor Zaz? I'd be here for it. Uh no. <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> um yeah, that was weird, Jeff. Did you have further yeah. thoughts on that? Or? So, I mean, I, I just wanted to so like that blindsided me. I was just like, okay, strong choice uh, to go out here and just have an opening scene that just absolutely blindsides the audience. Because, uh, yeah. Um, and then I yeah. like, then they do the opening credits and then they jump right into the narration. I think Korg's narration is hysterical. I've seen a, an interview with Taika where he talks about how the character of Korg came to be. I mean, obviously, Korg is a fun character from the Planet Hulk and World War Hulk comics, but they weren't sure how to adopt him into Thor Ragnarok. And Taika was like, well, let me take a pass over the script. And he took the Korg character that only had a couple lines and a couple scenes and threw him in absolutely everywhere. And then oh, volunteered and improved all of the lines, which then, is, he's so funny. Yeah, that, and then yeah. turned around and said he wanted to voice act him himself. And they're like, this is a lot of changes to this one specific, like you didn't touch anything else. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like 
I got a I got a fever, and the only prescription's more cork. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I'm here for it. I really yeah. like Taika Waititi in general. I like he's just so funny to me. Like in interviews, just in gen, just like talking to people. Like on the like, there's just like videos of him, like people running into him, and he's just like really funny talking to them. Like I just yeah. think he's just like I mean, a very. I I've, I've liked him. I mean, like, I loved his even small appearance in Suicide Squad. Like, he seems to be one of those guys that's just kind of doing everything right right now. He seems wholesome, kind of like a Keanu Reeves type person. Um, where he's wait, what? He's Suicide Ratcatcher. Squad. He's Ratcatcher in Suicide oh, Squad. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, you were right. A small role where it's like this small endearing thing that he's like this criminal that's got this positive attachment to his daughter. Like, I love that shit. That was that was yeah. endearing and touching to me. And then I watched. Um, uh, Our flag means death, which is mm-hmm. the Rice Darby, uh, HBO Max t- show. Yeah, I just TV watched show. all of it. And, it's uh, fucking hilarious. Like for him to I play did, it, you oh. know what? I actually don't think it's that funny, but I do. Like, I did like it enough to watch the whole series. But I was like, oh, Jeff said this it's, was it's really funny, funny because it, I don't think it's that funny. It's funny because I was going to say that's an example of where it's like too much of it. Like it's funny as like a a side character like Korg when it's kind of counterbalancing, you know, a main character or whatever, and you're getting like injections of it into it but like our flag means death feels like it's like a bunch of corgs walking around dealing with each other and like mm. i yeah was, that's it right was, it was too much for me i was like uh, i'm not like really laughing because i'm getting too much of it instead of it being like comic relief so yeah that makes sense. for the listeners at home brian is sentimental about pirates so his view is biased here he wanted a more badass blackbeard i think uh yeah Hundred percent. I don't think I even made it to the point where we saw Blackbeard. Oh, Taika. That's Taika. episode two. I know. I know. <laughs> I know that Taika is. I didn't even yeah. get there because episode one was like it was a little a bit of a. Slog. Anyway, so Thor: Love and Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Taika Waititi. Yeah, he's very funny. Um, actually, I didn't do my rundown of the uh, characters in the well, Thor: Love and Thunder, directed by Taika Waititi, written by Taika Waititi, where he came up with the story, but then it was actually written by Jennifer Caton Robinson. Um, uh, interestingly, in the post credits, Stan Lee gets a written by credit, but in like parent parentheses, it's like based on the Marvel comics by, which I don't know if I had ever noticed in uh, previous Marvel movies. Um, obviously, starring Chris Hemsworth, Natalie Portman made her way back as Jane Foster, or excuse me, Jane Fonda. No, it is Foster. Um, Tessa Thompson, Christian Bale, Taika Waititi, as we've said, Russell Crowe makes a makes an opinion uh, opinion an appearance in here as Zeus. And then we get uh, Jamie Alexander's return as Sif, which was interesting and very short. I thought there was going to be more to that for sure. Uh, and then all the Guardians of the Galaxy and some other people. But yeah, sorry, Jeff, did you have something else that you were going to say there when I cut you off? I had one other thing that I want to talk about just about the opening and then I'm happy to turn over the reins. I felt like the Guardians were wasted in this film. They... Mm. Like Thor leaving with the Guardians, I thought was an exciting development for his character to go see a Guardians adventure with Thor as a Drax comparison powerhouse. I was excited to see how that how they were going to fit that into that narrative. I don't know if it had to do with James Gunn then kind of being canceled for a little bit that they decided to do something else with the character and had suddenly this this plot twist that they had to resolve very quickly to go have a solo store, Thor story. But um, didn't love the way it was handled. I was kind of excited to see more interaction between Thor and the Guardians. And it felt like I'm, I'm not fully convinced that they had a direction for Thor when they wrote that into the endgame script. Because I, it seemed like they did. But given that it was resolved in under 10 minutes, I was like, oh, 
That's kind of yeah. lame. I found myself wishing that they had either done more with the Guardians or just written them out faster. Like, show that he had been running around with them and then have that scene where him and Quill are, are you know, saying goodbyes or whatever faster and then get to, like, all the other stuff just so much faster because it just... The, it was just an awkward amount of time for them to be in the show, like the movie, and it didn't really add much. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I was just kind of like, I didn't really feel like the Guardians were even worth bringing in for this. Like, there was just, it was pure chaos every time they were on screen, which to a, an extent is funny. But it didn't add anything to the story, so I just, I don't know. I, I was just kind of like, you guys could have alluded to his time with the Guardians in a very quick shot. And then done some solo stuff, but... um yeah, I agree. They chose with, not to do that. I felt felt like it was just kind of an awkward amount of time for the gardeners to be on screen. Yeah, I definitely echo that. I um, my wife was the person who pointed it out to me because I didn't even notice it while watching it, but something did feel weird about it. I think number one point that felt weird about it is Guardians dialogue written by someone other than James Gunn felt very strange. Like it didn't have the same kind of like I really like the way that Taika Waititi writes. I think that uh, or like who Lauren. Caton, whatever uh, the that writer was, um, who helped out with it, but like the way that that Taika directs dialogue is very unique, and the way that James Gunn directs dialogue is very unique, and you can really feel the difference watching characters that we've only really seen deliver James Gunn dialogue, and then like seeing like comparing that to the way that Taika does it because it didn't have the same. It was still funny, but it was very funny in a very different way. Um, I thought that that was interesting, but yeah, my wife leaving the theater was just kind of like, I really thought that the guardians were going to be a bigger part of this movie. I thought it was going to be like this journey. And I think after, um, end game, you and the three of us had kind of come up with the joke of as guardians of the galaxy, which I'm not saying we're the only ones that came up with that, but we were saying that idea. Um, and I was kind of excited to see that as well. And instead what we got was just like, the guardians are getting their asses kicked and then Thor just comes in and, you know, def- you know, pulls an end game moment. And he just shows up and turns the tide of battle single handedly again. And everyone just kind of sits around and watches. Yeah. And the guardians are like upset. They're like, Oh, this is so boring. Now that Thor's here. And I was just like, uh, well, they were just kind of like, finally, he could have just done this from the beginning. Yeah. He kind of like overstayed his welcome because he wasn't a committed member. And yet, you know, he could have like saved them all the headache if he had just had his head on straight. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. But I think that they cared about him to some degree. But also, they were like, "You're kind of a lot, dude." You know what I mean? They were really happy to get rid of him because he's a bit, and he's a bit pompous. You know what I mean? Thor kind of is up his own butt. He knows how powerful he is, and how you know how godlike he is, and how hot he is, and whatever. You know what I mean? And they're just kind of like, Ugh, they kind of they kind of dumbed him back down a little bit, at least in that scene where he's like. I'm getting, you know, you can go ahead and take this ship. And he's like, you're giving me my ship. And I was just like, like, I don't know. I felt like the Thor that we, that he's, he had turned into to the end of, you know, Endgame was, well, wouldn't have about- said some stupid shit like that. That was like, OG Thor didn't, who didn't know that you shouldn't smash a cup in a, in a diner. Like, like that's what that kind of felt like to me. It's like they made him stupid again or something. And it was like, it didn't it persist throughout the whole movie. Like he kind of, you know, started to come back around but like that scene to me i was just like man this just doesn't feel like the thor that he's evolved into you know like he's just gotten dumb and doesn't realize that it's not his ship like i don't understand that you know let's talk about the journey that the character goes on in this movie right like 
it starts with him as a god sitting on top of like getting back into godlike shape and like winning all kinds of battles and all that sitting on top of a mountain waiting for people to beg him to join the battle instead of joining something that he could have just handled by himself from the outset you know what i mean so he was literally that god waiting for people to praise him and pray to him and like he is the story he goes through this this growth this character growth in this movie in that he starts as that god and then comes to the aid of people because he knows it's what's right and realizes that the mission of the gods isn't to just like wait for people to help and like to protect himself his job is to like help others right that's the that's his character journey yeah but right? but his sense? character journey doesn't start like it's weird that that's his starting point in this movie because well, I think he's they... had a lot of growth in other films throughout this universe. Like it's just weird to me that he's suddenly back at that spot where he's like doesn't understand this these premises. Like, I yeah, don't know. but I think that the idea is that he's showing they're showing like how much he thinks he allows things to happen. Like it's his it's by like his divine right that things are allowed to happen, right? I think that's what they were trying to show is like he, even in that joke scene. It's him bequeathing something that he didn't even own. It was already someone else's to that person. Right. But how did he backslide from the guy that's just so noble and so like selfless by the end of Endgame? That's just, I mean, obviously he had his moments of like torment because he had a lot of loss. But like by the end of it, he's, you know, out there fighting Thanos with the rest of the team. And he's like a cohesive member of the group. But then he backslides into somebody that's super selfish and you know doesn't realize that selflessness is the true path of this you know the hero or whatever like it just seems weird to me like he's regressed in some way i don't know man his mind seems pretty broken at the end of endgame like or during and all of endgame really like he's fully lost it he's just drunk all the time like i feel like he isn't i think if you you haven't watched endgame in a while but if you go back and watch that movie, he's not quite as normal as he is in Infinity War, where he's like a badass who's just yeah. like resolute and angry. You know what I mean? Like in Infinity or in Endgame, he's pretty lost. Like he's pretty. I think this is the movie where he gets back on track mm-hmm. because I think he kind of is reeling from that. All of that. You know what I mean? I guess maybe I need to watch him back to back or something. Um Hey, let me say while we're still talking about this because I know we're spending a lot of time on the opening scene of the movie, but um, <laughs> the what you talked about earlier with his moment in Infinity War where he arrives on the battlefield and everything freaking shifts. Like suddenly he's just smashing through ships, oh, yeah. wiping out dozens of you know foes with each swing. Like it's 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 like Superman has showed up. Like. I mean, to a human battle. Like, it's just crazy the disparity between his power and theirs. Those are my favorite scenes in all of Marvel. It was like it was like watching that first scene of this movie where he's just smashing through all these people that had everyone else pinned down, you know, and all these enemies, and he's like having no problem. Like I I, I was just realizing in that moment, like, these are my favorite scenes in the entire Marvel universe. Is Thor coming through and just doing shit that no one else is physically capable of doing. Like it's mm-hmm. just it's so much fun to watch. It's so cool to see his character be so powerful, you know, and, and like just awesome to, to watch in a fight scene. It's just, it's yeah, so I, I funny because what I was thinking while watching the infinity and war and Avengers is how much I liked captain America in those movies because he keeps getting back. He keeps getting knocked down and get back up. Like, I just like, I love those scenes and I'm like, Oh, that's such a good character. And then you're like, not like the powerhouse who like no one ever even has a chance of harming. <laughs> I don't I don't like this struggle shit. I well, just want like, what are we going to do about easy. these ships? And then short uh, uh, Thor shows up and just 
smashes right through it with his head. <laughs> like, yeah, know? exactly. Like that's I just enjoy the shit out of those scenes because it's yeah. it's just fun to watch him like solve a problem within a couple of seconds. It's definitely a little bit hypocritical because I, I always criticize the Superman character. Like, why doesn't he just fly through one's chest? I don't understand. <laughs> like, that's like exactly what Thor does is just like smash through everything. But it's the way they deliver it with Thor. I just I find it wildly entertaining every freaking time those are my like if i'm pointing to my favorite scenes it's going to be all the thor fight scenes and then other stuff you know speaking of thors uh we got a second thor in this movie and it wasn't the thor that i wanted to to happen but it is the thor that we received uh we got the mighty thor played by natalie portman's jane foster uh dr jane foster excuse me um jeff did you ever go back and read jason aaron's thor run with the mighty thor in it yeah i've got the first two volumes in print from the mighty thor yeah uh yeah of like yeah of Of jane foster's run jane foster yeah Yeah. okay um it's one of my favorite comic runs uh probably of all time i think jason aaron is a really talented writer um the way that he portrays this character who is spoiler alert dying throughout the whole comic um but then whenever she picks up the hammer turns into thor a god with no problems and then it becomes harder and harder for her to put the hammer down uh, and help less people even though she knows that the hammer is actually preventing her from getting better in the human world they tried to bring that into this i think that they had a very hard task in bringing that all in because it's a two-hour movie and that story really could be its own like you you had to deal with Chris Hemsworth's storyline where he's the main character and then also give Natalie Portman a char- like a story about this. That could have been its whole it, its own movie or miniseries. You know what I mean? Like that's a really it's a very deep topic to kind of cover. It sort of felt like they rushed through it for me in this movie, which was kind of disappointing because I was excited for that part. Um what did you guys think of this? Of her coming back, first of all, we haven't seen her since 2013. Her picking up the hammer, Mjolnir coming back together for her, um, and all of that. What did you guys think? I mean, there's, there's a couple different things that I want to talk about there. I, I personally felt like her, I mean, it, and it probably is because I'm biased because I understood that got more depth from the comics. I, I didn't mind her story arc. Like her sacrifice that she makes at the end by picking up the hammer and showing up to save Thor – I liked it. It made sense to me. And, and I think I got all the context I needed from the film. I got enough scenes of her struggling and her expressions and her directly saying, I'd rather die a hero than live with cancer and, and potentially not make it and have this be the way that I go out. Um, I think that was clearly expressed. I thought it was weird. I, I don't love it when you have to go back and, and rewrite history in order to have a plot point. And while I do think that the previous Thor movies did have him express a bond with Mjolnir. We never see him talk to it. I like that bit. I thought that was really funny. But for that him whole to, storyline. For, for it to have him turn around and back in 2012, talk to Mjolnir and say, protect Jane. And then suddenly it, you know, puts this bond that we never see happen in any of the other Thor films. And is suddenly a massive plot device. And it's like, well, hold on. We saw Thor on screen for hours and he never once talks to his hammer. So a little revisionist I mean, history there. I didn't I, love it. You're, you're I think it's to, very funny. You're talking about <laughs> like, it like he suddenly just developed laser vision and we never saw him have laser vision before. Like, I don't think it's that on that level of egregious offense. Like, it's not I, that big of a deal. It's not egregious. It's, I just don't love it when directors have to do it, but I'll accept it for this film. Like I said, this yeah. movie is campy as shit and I did enjoy it. But 
They're, uh, sure. not, I'm, yeah. Brian, ahead, how did Brian. you feel about Natalie Portman and the Mighty Thor? I was totally fine with their explanation for how she became a Thor. I, well, let me just say I definitely have some major questions about like the transfer of powers, especially with the, the hammer uh, being grant, bestowed to her and also the little mini Thor th- thing that we can yeah. talk about later. But um, I was I was okay with it. Like it was a, a, an explanation that I was able to accept that, you know, the hammer had just was basically just doing Thor's bidding and in, in protecting her. But um, I mean, what's the quote on the hammer? It's whosoever holds his hammer, if they be worthy, shall be possess. Shall right. possess so it's who, who's worthy, Thor not who Thor wants the hammer to, to watch out for. So, I mean, there's an argument. Well, I think, that's I mean, how is Jane Foster not worthy? She seems to be only exclusively an honorable Well, person. how do you define worthy? Because you saw the Avengers that are all superhero good people not able to pick it up. But then Jane can? What? A robot can? Vision? Well, there, there's a there's a whole thing about Vision. But like the, the and point... And Cap can. Uh, I mean, he couldn't. He couldn't at first. So what? Was, so he can now. The so the fan theories are that you need like to internally believe that you are worthy. And Cap couldn't pick up the hammer in Age of Ultron because he was hiding the secret that Bucky Barnes had killed Iron Man's parents. Interesting. From Iron Man, and so until that secret was revealed and that guilt was off of his shoulders, Captain America then became worthy. So so if Jane knew about Tony Stark's, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I don't know. I like it seems like if we're going with the uh, she was worthy and therefore able to lift the hammer, I think that's kind of weak because like it seems like worthiness is suddenly conveniently getting loosely defined. Uh, I accept it. But, you know, if it just is that Thor is able to, you know, assign the hammer a mission to protect her by whatever means necessary and that's how that developed, then I can accept that. Um, yeah when did he get the power to bestow uh worthiness yeah. upon yeah. items that's an interesting concept that i was kind of like at the end i was like oh they're doing that huh mm-hmm. right. yeah, being, and why doesn't he just about this. why doesn't he just do that with like the entire town of asgard yeah. and just create a bunch of thors whatever anyway yep yeah um, why doesn't he yeah why doesn't he just give it to everybody that yeah. he meets in this town so that they don't have to he doesn't have to worry yeah, about there's it a anymore. definitely a huge uh plot hole there but um anyway I, I will say this i am not a fan of natalie portman as an actress and really? I think that's probably where I'll draw the line. I'll cut it there. Just just a statement of fact. I don't need to rip on anybody. She was fine. How I'm just, dare I'm just you come fan. at Queen Amidala like that? Um, I didn't like her in that either. We've been watching the prequels the last few days. I don't like her as Padme either. So I, I'll I mean, double down. I mean, that's not her fault. That's George Lucas. I did like I, her I, I in do Your like Highness. I do like Portman. <laughs> Why? Just really good uh, delivery of her scenes. It's one of the worst movies ever made. I know. I don't even remember <laughs> what happens in that movie. I just remember I, she has a bikini scene. <laughs> I think sorry. Kelly and I tried to watch that a year or two ago. And Never. there's a scene where Danny McBride has to give like a weird Yoda figure a hand job or something. And I was like, what is this <laughs> fucking movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't think I've ever been a fan of hers in anything. I, I don't know. Like, I'm not, like not going to get too negative here. Lot, just not a fan. Um, I don't know. I Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Well, there we go. Uh, how did you guys feel about Russell Crowe as Zeus in this movie and his weird sort of racist feeling Italian accent? I was kind of like, are we still doing accents even for Italians? I loved it. Uh, okay. Um, I, I are loved you it. quoting Korg 
when you're saying I loved it this whole no. time. Th- that's one of the main bits of humor in the movie that got me laughing. I think it's probably the best joke is when he talks about how like Zeus flicked all his clothes off and he's just like embarrassed. And then all of them are like, I didn't mind. And then Korg was like, loved it. <laughs> that shit got me so good. Um, yeah. I, uh, but back to Russell Crowe. Um, I mean, I, I, I mean, he barely did anything. It was sure. interesting to see him come in in a com- comedic capacity. I don't yes. think we really get to see Russell Crowe be funny very often. I think the only time I've really seen it is in the nice guys, um, which is he's really good in. And then he, he kind of, echoes that same sort of personality here um but yeah i mean, I mean like look i love greek mythology you in greek mythology thor's thor's i mean not thor jesus zeus is a massive piece of shit um he's consistently like the worst god in in greek mythology just like a really horrible person and um so i'm glad that they didn't portray him as like this honorable person that's like oh we have to do the right thing he's just like no nah, i'm gonna go fuck as many people as i possibly oh, yeah. can before i, I die Thor's like oh i based my personality off of him like i really love him and then he's immediately a piece of shit and he's like yeah. not that part <laughs> so um I, I like the concept of of Zeus, but I'm glad that they did not portray him in this you know honorable light because there's no story of Zeus of him being a good person um yeah, so I uh, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed seeing Russell Crowe have an accent and and perform a comedic purpose. Like it reminded me, honestly, recently of Colin Farrell's Penguin, which I also loved. Of just being like taking these historically good actors. I would say that Colin Farrell's a good actor, in my opinion. Some might disagree, but people that are renowned I don't think actors. Anyone on this podcast disagrees with that. I think we all like. Dude, his horrible boss's, boss's performance should have got him an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, Brian heads out Oscars like candy. Yeah, um, Brian, Brian's got a very interesting <laughs> like awards contention uh, concept. But tell me you wouldn't watch my award show. Tell me you wouldn't watch it. <laughs> oh, I would watch it just for the fallout online yeah. afterwards, where people are like, "What." <laughs> Yeah. Why did Sylvester Stallone didn't even come out with a movie this year? How is he best actor? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I thought it was enjoyable. Brian, what'd you think? Uh, I'm realizing as we as we go here that I'm just gonna keep coming off across as negative. I want to restate that I, I enjoyed this movie. I will definitely rewatch it in the future once we have access to it on like Disney Plus or whatever. Uh, that being said, it felt like the Russell Crowe Zeus was just the fat Thor joke over again. I I wasn't really stoked on it. I felt like 110% agree. Zeus, when you really lay out his exploits and all his stories, Zeus is a piece of shit. Like, 100%. Oh, yeah. But I was really struggling with the fat has-been trope. Like, for for the king of the gods that everyone fears and respects. Like, I, I don't know. I just I had a, I had enough with it of it with Fat Thor. I thought that was funny at the time for like the shock factor and just you know adding to his story of like having really dark moments. But to see Zeus, who's like you know like the the Odin counterpart, and we have this badass older grizzled Odin that was played really well by Sir Anthony Hopkins, and then his counterpart is like a just a silly Russell Crowe, like naive Russell Crowe. Like I just. I, I was having a hard time getting my arms around it, although I was laughing at the scene. Is that scene. because of how fat he was? You couldn't get your arms to touch? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes. Without a fat chest? Yes. Like, arms around? I just, I, I think, like, I just, there were there were a couple opportunities for things in this movie that, like, where they could have injected a little bit more seriousness. And 
like I have another great example and we haven't even started talking about our, our antagonist in this movie, which I'll get into that. But with Zeus, it felt like even just changing his physical stature, like would have been enough for me to like get my arms around the character more because it would, I would have been like, okay, this is Zeus and like, he's a little bit more of a threatening, like imposing character. Like it makes sense as to why Thor, who's this super jacked, like epitome of everything. Godhood looks up to this guy and says and he models his like actions on this guy and i was just like why would thor who's like peak specimen like even give this guy the time of day like like just because of his exploits like that makes him a high school you know has been that keeps living in the high school football glory days kind of guy like i just i was having a hard time accepting the character a little bit i was kind of kind of disappointed that they went with that that uh creative decision I do want to bring this back to the the underlying story of this and like the metaphor that this movie sort of lays out is felt to me like a commentary on maybe capitalism or the economic structure. And I know you guys are going to roll your eyes at me because I'm no, going agree. too deep again. I agree. But like you. the gods hiding away as every, as like destruction comes and like there's someone coming for him. And instead of like and like all these people are dying and instead of caring about it they just like hide behind their wealth and their opulence totally and the then, first scene like, with gore with that god that's like it's yours exactly. it's yours you know fate to suffer you know or like worship me and like i'm not yeah. going to help you like there's just no because help i deserve it because right I that was a total rich versus poor thing like it's you're 100% on the nose right yeah i definitely think that there was i think that i had read an article a couple months ago that um someone came out with i think it was like on i can't remember the site but um it's basically about how um ragnarok is actually like a metaphor for colonialism and there's like a lot of good notes i'll I'll find the article and if i can remember when i'm editing the podcast i'll add it into the notes of the podcast so people can go and listen to it but um basically it was about how like odin um you know conquered all the nine realms but like never talked about how he did it and how much blood was shed to do it and he just kind of like maintained order over these things and never really talked about what he did to do that right exactly and it was about like this colonialism where he portrayed him as the good guy and all these things and just kind of overwrote all of his negativity um this so when i went into this i was like oh it seems like taika really does have like some social messaging that he wants to mention um and uh so I was looking for it and I think that that's the message that he was trying to send in this movie was like some sort of economic destabilization yeah, situation. And, and that message so, does come across with, you know, this fat specifically piece, this Zeus, fat piece of yeah, shit. Yeah, loaded and hiding in his ivory tower. Yeah, getting soft but help. still clinging on to his relevancy. I, I get it. But like, I don't know. I, there's just something about that character that I'm like, like Thor, it's almost implied that Thor is like naturally just gifted with this you know, physical stature of just being super godly looking and Zeus, you know, for him to have turned into just like the human equivalent of ice cream. You know? Are you kidding me though? Russell Crowe in the nineties was like world's sexiest man. Like, yeah, they, like, I'm watching, rewatching yeah, friends again with I'm my saying. wife and, um, Rachel constantly caught like, it's just like, how do I get Russell Crowe to call me or something like that? You know what I mean? Like sure. they're, they're all talking about how hot Russell Crowe Dude, is all the time. And I've, I've never seen him be that jacked. I would have been fine with his shape in gladiator or something. You know what I mean? Like he's like 60. <laughs> Forgive but, him for not getting into super crazy. Shape. Dude, that was not 
Do you think that was just Russell Crowe being fat, or do you think they gave him some kind of prosthetic? I mean, have you to, like, seen any pictures of Russell Crowe lately? No, he's was not that in very good shape. Yeah, he's kind of he's just a, a fat dad who lives in Australia. Like he's just fucking he's rich and wow. fine with being kind of overweight. I, now. I would have been fine. I don't, I don't need him to be Chris Hemsworth sculpted. I just wanted him to look like a more Zeusian figure than like a tub of lard up there clinging onto his glory days. I just. I don't know. I had a hard time with that, but I think it's been a lot of time. I don't think he was that point. fat. All right, all right, dude. So we're bringing this back to the to the story. We've talked about Zeus's body enough, which is such a small part of the film. So I do want to touch <laughs> on him and Russell Crowe's Zeus right now. We touched on the sub theme or the subcontext of the film being. I, I totally echo your sentiment there, Ty. I don't think you're reaching at all to say that there is a, a greater economic a metaphor being told. Um, as far as just the general theme of the film, there's definitely. Uh, two characters, the two, the antagonist and the protagonist are both characters that have ex- suffered extreme loss. That's how they position the story. The first thing you see of Gore is him going through this horrific moment of losing his daughter and then the god who is supposed to protect him telling him that she deserved to die. Um, and then also you get the recap of Thor of you know the last 10 years of his life just being loss after loss after loss. Um, and the difference between the two characters is that Thor continues to be a positive source of happiness for everyone in his life, whereas Gore projects his anger out onto everyone else in the world. Um, and so there's definitely a theme here of how to process grief and uh, how to let it affect your overall disposition and how that affects the people around you. Um, and I think that Taika delivers that message all right. Um I think that it's a story that that they've kind of delivered with Thor's role in Endgame. I think he gets that kind of closure, and I'm glad that they kind of continued that messaging that he learned from his reconnection with his mother into his interactions with Gore. Because you guys are right, there is this level of brevity constantly throughout the film. But anywhere that you don't see it is because Christian Bale's just darkening the screen with absolute, you know, grimdark visuals literal just black and white shadows which i think led like i mentioned to some of the most cinematic combat i mean one thing that i have to talk about is the battle on that moon if you can call it asteroid in the shadow dimension shadow realm i forgot what they called it Um, uh the shadow realm which was just fun honestly it felt like it came straight off of a fucking frank miller comic i was gonna say it felt like um that movie the spirit you ever watched that movie yeah that was directed by frank miller um Uh, Sam Jackson. I've Sam got Jackson. eight of everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that movie's terrible. Don't watch it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it felt exactly like that to me. It was just like black and white, which is like pops of color. Um, I thought that that scene was okay. There was something about the camera work in it that didn't really work for me. It felt like it was shot in a closet, even though it was supposed to be like in space. It felt very claustrophobic for being in this like void dimension. Um I don't know something about it I didn't like that much but I did think it looked cool like if you were to just like take stills of it it was like very beautiful to look at I just don't know if it worked for me as it was in motion but um I would like to kind of shift the conversation to gore and our perception of like first of all Christian's Christian Bale's portrayal um of the character um the necro sword all of those things already made that shift but go ahead yeah okay Sorry, I just didn't want to talk about only the visuals in that fight. Sure. Um, I shifted like 10 minutes ago. 
to Thor's fat. No, we're not going back to Zeus's body, Brian. Um, I shifted from that mid movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, the like you were saying, Jeff, that idea of like both of these characters being defined by loss, I found that to be very interesting to make Thor lose another loved one in this movie. First of all, for it to end with Thor experiencing loss again was, I was like, wow, that's quite a decision. Um, and to give us a character who's defined by loss and make him the villain is an, to draw an interesting parallel. Just like you said, Jeff, um, I don't know if I liked this interpretation of Gore, the God butcher, Jason Aaron, uh, his run with Thor started with the Gore the God Butcher storyline. It create like he created that character for the first volume of his Thor run, not in the Mighty Thor, but like when he first took over the main title, and it was still Odin's son. Um, and uh, that character is powered by the Necro Sword, which is a symbiote weapon. Um, so it is like a Venom symbiote that can like like move and twist and it's like black goo that can kind of form whatever he needs it to be at the time um and that's what's infecting him and uh the character is just unleashing wanton violence against the gods because of the loss of his family and his whole race um and he kills them all by hand uh which i found more interesting but he is more of just like a force of nature right like he just moves through and like Thor and him have like this galaxy spanning battle where they're like bounce, like blasting each other through planets. Cause they're so strong, you know? And not that I needed to see that on screen. I just felt like what we got was a very weird version of that character that I don't think quite worked in the way I would have liked it to. Um, I think Christian Bale put everything he had into the performance, which was good to see, especially for like someone to take on a Marvel uh character villain i think it's it's very easy for like big actors to kind of move into these marvel roles and just kind of be like scene chewing like kind of ridiculous over the top you know um i like that he brought a sense of realism and actual anger and and uh malice to the character i thought that that was interesting um but yeah i don't i don't know there is something about the the costuming though that i would like to point out and when we first see him, he has the facial tattoos going down lines across his eyes, right? Over his head and along his eyes and along his arms. And when we next see him, when he's in full God Butcher mode, he has scars that he's crossed out all of those tattoos because I think they were probably religious iconography tattooed onto his skin. He's cut them off of his skin, which I thought was a very interesting decision because the character from the comics has like these ridges over his eyes that turn into like long twi'lek tendrils off the back of his head twi'leks being the characters from star wars that have the weird long antenna so it was like their way of bringing that sort of design element well, into the character so i just taika cool. taika's talked about his decision to change the visual of the character of gore because Gore is like a pale, like its its face seems almost reptilian with the fact that it doesn't has slits for nose. And Taika just said that he didn't see any way in the early versions of the prosthetics that it could not be seen as Voldemort. 
Well, I also think that you lose some of Christian Bale's nuance in his performance. I think Christian Bale is not the type of actor who's going to put dots on his face and do that kind of thing. You know what I mean? And do like some sort of motion capture. I also don't think they had the budget that like Infinity War and Endgame had to kind of give you that like very photorealistic Thanos that we get in that movie. You know, Um, I don't know that they were going to try to do that in this. Um, So... Just putting, like, minimal makeup on Christian Bale. They didn't, like, give him, like, you know, hours in the makeup chair. They just paled him up and then put some prosthetic scars on his head and then just yeah. let him go about, you know? I'm I off. He was like, yeah, I'll, I'll come, but I'm only – I'm not doing, like, the whole, like, under makeup thing, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm all for comic accuracy, but in this case, I don't think anyone was attached to Gore's appearance. No one's going to tell me that Gore's their favorite comic book character. So. I will say, I kind of, when I first heard that he was going to be it, I was sort of hoping that we were going to get that version of Gore, but I'm, I also am not like crazy. I'm not one of those people who's like, this I think, isn't comic book accurate or whatever. I think no. the average person would want to know why Voldemort's fighting Thor if we got the comic accurate version. But He doesn't look that much like Voldemort, I will say that, but... <laughs> So Brian, Brian, I'd love to hear your thoughts Brian, on Christian Bale. Brian, Google a picture of Gore from the comics and tell me if it looks like Voldemort. I've seen pictures. It, it is a total Voldemort vibe, and I think <laughs> they, were, they were smart to leave the nose in. Um, <laughs> I finally get to be positive about something here because I feel like I'm misrepresenting my own thoughts in this movie, but uh, I thought Christian Bale was awesome. Um, I think malice was a great word to use um, where just you could tell he just like to his core in every scene that he was in just truly cared about nothing except exterminating every god like you could just feel it coming out of him christian bale's got to be top three actors on earth right now um because it was just pouring out of him in every scene but i will say michael shannon i uh, sure yeah i will say this um i felt like we didn't get nearly enough gore um, I, I was trying to to figure out what it was about this movie. Like this, I described it to my wife on the way home as um, trying to recapture the magic of Ragnarok and just falling short a little bit. Like it was just like a campier version of Ragnarok. And part of the reason why I think was they injected more humor into this one, whereas in Ragnarok there was a really healthy balance of humor and then serious scenes. Where every time you see Hela on screen. There's not a whole lot of humor going on. She's just like wrecking shit on her side. And then you go back to Thor where it's a mixture of action and comedy. And there's a lot more balancing. Gore, we don't get a lot of him in the movie. Like we don't get enough of him anyway. And like the perfect scene to point to is the Guardians are still in the picture. And they pull up that screen and they're getting all these uh, transmissions of gods getting slaughtered all over the place. But we don't see any of that take place on screen. And I was like, man, just a few scenes of just Gore owning the screen and just cutting through a bunch of gods in the most malicious way possible, like, and just striking fear into you, like, the same way that Helid, like, dominates the Asgardian army, and, you know, and you're like, damn, I don't know how they're going to fight this person. Like, instead, we don't really get anything of Gore until he's going head-to-head with Thor. And I just, I don't know, I feel like a more Gore, more Christian Bale on screen would have um, balanced this movie a little bit more and, and, I, and cut out some of the unnecessary shit that we got. I totally agree, Brian. I... I think that the humor was too prevalent like the humor in Ragnarok felt very organic to me there was just funny deliveries right Bruce Banner I've got seven degrees and he's like wait I don't know how to fly this ship and he's like use one of those degrees and he jumps off the ship like that's fucking funny that's just good writing like that that's all organic 
good stuff that they but this one like Thor fighting Gore for the first time be like, oh, you can't hurt me. Oh, you've got the Necrosword. That hurts like a son of a bitch. Like, I was like, oh, like be serious, bro. Um, you're about to get murdered. Dude, the part where he goes up to Lady Sif and she's literally laying there with her arm cut off and he's like joking about her arm being in Valhalla. I was like, this feels like a serious scene. Like, I really like that joke, actually. I thought <laughs> that was very funny. Fine. The joke itself is fine, but just it was just a weird moment, especially right. when he's experienced a bunch of loss, and now he's got another close friend that's bleeding out on the ground, and he's just cracking yeah. jokes like he can't take the situation. Yeah. I, I want to go to Valhalla. Well, if you die now, which you're probably going to, you won't go to Valhalla. You're supposed to comfort the, the person like, before they die. Take that scene out and give me the scene where Gore killed that giant beast. Like, I want to yeah. see him ripping that thing apart and like really establish that he's a bad you know mofo. Like, I don't know. I just like felt like they were sacrificing opportunity to balance the movie with more comedy. And I just, I don't know. I there are a couple say, of glaring spots for that. I will say that very much like a lot of the Marvel movies that we've seen this year, unfortunately, I'm wondering if the Marvel timeline is finally dying or like it, the, the interest I have in Marvel is finally dying because I have not really liked any movie in phase four. Like Shang-Chi was fine. The Spider, the Spider Man, Spider Men, whatever. It was good, but like rewatching it, I had a lot more problems the second time. Like I think the first time I liked it because of we saw Tobey Maguire back and we saw Andrew Garfield back, and like that really like brought my hope, my my hype back up, you know. But by the second time I watched the movie and like knew that that was coming, I was kind of like really noticing a lot in that movie that I didn't like, um, and. It's similar in this movie in that I feel like there were just massive pieces missing. Like it just felt like there was a lot missing. And I think one of the things that was missing is is exactly what you're talking about, Brian, is that we get gore and he's this thing that people fear, but we never see why people fear him because we only see him against Thor. And to be honest, if there were no shadows around, he gets his ass kicked every time. Right. Basically. I want to see him like dominating gods for a while. Yeah. Like I want to I see like to a see whole montage of him just like just suddenly just slip in a scene of like a god just chilling and then him coming up and just killing him in the worst way. Like I, you know, like they're just we needed more of him. I and here's the thing, Thanos was somebody that I still root for hard because. Like, while he's a bad guy and he has malicious intent, like, you can understand why he's doing what he's doing. Gore had a lot of potential to be the same thing. And, and you know, like, it was bullshit. Like, his, he's out in the desert dying because of his misplaced faith in a, in a piece of shit god. And he actually comes into contact with that god. The god reveals who he really is. Gore takes up the sword and, and takes him out and, like you can't help but root for gore in that situation, even though he's a murderer. Like, like you're just like, dude, 110% like justified. And like everything that Gore's doing the whole time, I'm like, I totally get why you're doing this. And I'm hundred percent rooting for you, buddy. Like, you know, I don't want you to kill Thor, but otherwise I, I totally understand the path that you're on. Thanos, you know, having told all his people about their eventual extinction because of overpopulation wasn't listened to and everything came to pass. So I get why Thanos is doing what he's doing. And the more of Thanos I get, the more I can get my arms around the character. And with Gore, they just didn't give us enough of him, you know, once he became Gore in order to do that. He was just this guy fighting from the shadows, you know, threatening Thor instead of being somebody that like, whenever he's not in a fight with Thor where we obviously want Thor to win, 
we want Gore to win. You know, I, I just, you know, I thought that they had a great opportunity there and they didn't spend enough time on it. I, I, I do want to just jump in here real quick. Brian, you never watched the What If show. I know you said you watched the first episode maybe, but there's a What If episode of what if uh, T'Challa, Black Panther, was kidnapped by the uh, the Ravagers instead of um, uh, right. uh, Peter Quill. And in it, one of it shows that just fast forwards to him being grown up. Thanos is his second in command because he sat down with Thanos early on and uh, convinced him to join him and not become a universal conquering. That's fun. It's, it's pretty fun. And everybody's like, hey, remember how you wanted to like kill half the universe? He's like, I had like a whole plan. Like it made sense. And like everybody's kind of making fun of his like weird yeah. genocide. They're, like, they're like at a bar. And he's like, if it's a simple calculus. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's actually kind of funny, but the eh, I don't know. Anyway, I will say kind of exactly what you're talking about, Brian, and really what I was saying earlier with the Jane Foster thing. They had so many things to accomplish in this film by including all of these characters. Like Valkyrie, I feel like got short shrift. We have this concept where she's king instead of queen because biologically she appears to be a woman. I don't know if she identifies as like a non-binary character. They don't really give you any concept of that except for that she calls herself king. Great. That's fine. They bring Sif back, who in the second Thor movie is like his, there's like a weird love triangle between him, her, Thor, and Jane Foster. And then we haven't seen her since that movie. And then they bring her back for just like this bit joke. And then she just doesn't appear in the rest of the movie. I'm like, why isn't she a part of the team? I don't understand. Make her part of the fucking adventure. We saw her in Loki. Yeah. I know, but that's in the past. Whatever. You get it, right? So I think with Gore, part of the part that but what bothered me is that I feel like there's a lot on the cutting room floor here because I would have really liked more time with Jane Foster because that character in the comic books, getting that time where you get to see that it's harder for her to put down the hammer, they just kind of they just kind of brush past that in this movie and I would have really liked that kind of deep dive in totally. there. That time with Gore where we're seeing him as this angry, unreasonable, just ball of fury and and just just the anger that comes with losing a child i would have liked some time with that but the yeah. time that we saw was just to accentuate how evil he was instead of giving right. him this sort of character arc so and i would have rather yeah. seen him as a character like you saying brian that is sympathetic in a way well here's the thing so in like i can't believe i'm doing this because this isn't usually my forte but zooming out to a conceptual standpoint of what this movie is actually speaking to with holistically yeah, we, we talked about this at the beginning, which is it's kind of a rich versus poor theme in, in the actual world. Like, you know, that the poor people getting trodden on and, and just being a means to an end of just the powerful people staying in power, which means gore represents everyone that's not a rich person, you know, that's in the viewing audience. And right. So and then instead of him making the movie about to him, just an evil guy instead of somebody that you can like, you know, get scenes with and like spend some time with. And, and relate to, they they make him represent the general population of people viewing this movie, but then they just turn him into this dark character that's, you know, misguided, essentially. And I, I just felt like, I don't know, there's something, there's a weird disconnect there. Like, almost the messaging is that, like, that uh, his uh, opposition to the gods was misplaced. And that's a weird and awkward message, if you guys follow what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Almost like he should have accepted his spot or something or like that he's wrong for what he's doing when I would argue he was 110% in the right for what he was right. doing the whole time. I mean time. like you're, you're absolutely right. I'm just thinking about this for the first time. But they definitely should have had a resolution similar to like Black Panther where 
T'Challa turns around and is like, you're absolutely right. This is unacceptable. Yeah, it's fucked Everything up. that you stand for is absolutely something that needs to be addressed, and I'm going to fix it yeah. a different way than your violent resolution. And instead, the resolution was he just concedes and gets his daughter back instead of taking it out on the people who are really the and, perpetrators. And, and Thor does nothing to try and fix the general society of the gods. That is now right. Well, right. potentially It's just going to continue. That is yeah. a good point. Just, that is, that me, is kind of a huge failure of the film that now that was, I'm seeing it. I think the more time you spend with Gore, the more that gets solved in that like, and a different ending, which we haven't got to the ending yet. I know we've been spending a lot of time on different scenes. I'd love to discuss the last scene that we see. Uh, yeah. But anyway. Um, Makes me really yeah. appreciate the Black Panther writing more. Cause oh, yeah. I was going to say, I actually great. didn't catch that comparison that you just made, Jeff, but like, that's true. Like the ending of Black Panther should have been the ending of this movie where he's right. like, you know what? You are the right. We fucked. are fucked up. We've yeah. been fucking up. Systems like fucked. we left, we left you alone and like, yeah. we weren't paying attention to you and we weren't helping. And that's wrong. That's what we should have got. Instead. He's just like, why would I spend my time with you when I could spend my time with her? I've yeah, got like, that's, all, that's also sort of selfish Thor. Yeah. That's also sort of selfish. Yeah. I could, I could have just seen, Christian Bale like break character being like not the point bro <laughs> yeah you're missing it you're missing it yeah the point isn't yeah. just to have someone raise my daughter it was to solve the problems with this freaking system we have like yeah also like they don't he, ever he didn't do it. solve anything by bringing his daughter back and not solving anything he just brought her back he to be a part of this world yeah. that sucks like, like why would you want I don't know what daughter. that meant kind of his Thor mission the, fell apart at the end it, there it, Makes Thor the villain, right? He he successfully kind of. convinced the hero from not fixing the system, and yeah, instead... then kidnapped his daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like we that to it. me. That to me stung a little bit because I like again, I, like I was a big Thanos proponent because a lot of what he was doing, like I just understood why. Like even though it was evil, I got it. Like like it was a greater good argument, and I think Gore had an opportunity to go down that same path of a really intriguing greater good argument, and at the end they just completely threw that out a window and then just i mean you know had this cutesy addition of his daughter coming back and i mean uh, what, what i mean would that be insane of an ending for him to sit instead sacrifice by not bringing her back his daughter and instead comes to a some kind of a peaceful resolution where the god's society is fixed and therefore sacrificing his daughter for like the second time i don't know I might be I, reaching I there. I, I think I think they could have they'd have to go further back in the story and find some other way to like yeah. suggest a fix. And I, I don't know what it is, but definitely uh, dark messaging that basically he just accepts that he's not going to be able to fix the system or, or accepts right. not fixing the system as as an acceptable outcome is just yeah. ridiculous to me. And I, I don't know what that says for like modern society. I, like what's the narrative there? You know, I will say, you know, the the fact that this movie didn't end in, you know, like it did end in a fight, but it didn't end in like a fist fight to the death. It ended with you know more of a peaceful resolution with Gore already dying because of you know, pre-existing in- injuries. Um, it it felt a lot like a classic Marvel comic. I mean, I used to complain the difference between DC and Marvel is that Marvel all of their world-ending bosses always ended in a peaceful resolution where they're able to finally get through and finally person's like you know what, and then suddenly that person would be on their side for the next world-ending boss, and they'd be like, no, I was just like you. I see the error of your ways. Um, and that was kind of a Marvel trend for a decade or so um, when I first got into comics. And that's what I, that was my first interpretation. But now that I'm comparing it to Black Panther, I actually like it less. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I feel like the part of what I was trying to say earlier, and Brian, I think you really nailed the head, nail, hit the nail on the head there, is that I felt like there was messaging in this movie that was ignored. didn't quite feel complete. 
Like, it was like, I thought that was it, but like, because the ending didn't sort of resolve that thought, it didn't really coalesce into like that fully, that fully realized message that I wasn't sure that that was the message and was like, I'm going to have to think about this more. And I think the reasoning is, is exactly what Brian's saying. So yeah, you really, yeah. you really cut to the core there, Brian. Good job, I will Brian. give you a slow cap because this is, I think the first time that you've really hit the nail on the head with like a higher movie concept. So I'm Putting very that, happy that you are, um, sorry, what Brian? Putting that or journalist degree to work. Yeah. Finally, it feels like you're, you're there, you're up, you're, you're joining the clever kids podcast in a full <laughs> way now and <laughs> that you're overthinking movies that don't really deserve the overthought. Thor but. analysis is why I went to college. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So let's talk uh, about that ending, Brian, you had a point that you wanted to touch on on the ending so that we can wrap up this story. Just, uh, just, um, I didn't understand the whole thing with, we didn't. So let me just say, I never stay for the second post credit scene. I always have to yeah, neither do I. Pissed like a racehorse, so I just get up and leave. But I, like we hung out <laughs> for the first one. Uh, Thor raising that child in a randomly super high-tech house on a beach in some it was unknown a spaceship. location. Okay, in some unknown location. And then their day He's traveling consists- the, the universe and save, and he's the god for everybody now. So, so the door drops and there's just a crazy war raging and him in this tiny child are running out with the giant weapons and in fighting wars uh, over breakfast like i just was like what the fuck is happening right now i will say the girl there is chris hemsworth's actual daughter i don't know if you really yeah i I just read that this morning and was like oh that's kind of interesting and one of his sons plays like that scene where he's running running. through his history or whatever and it's like showing all the different stages of him one of his sons plays the youngest version of him i guess that's kind of cool so taika's kids in here um there's a lot of natalie portman's kid is in in there yeah christian bale has two kids i think in the movie yeah i was reading an article about how like this was like a family affair taika watiti wanted everybody to bring their family to this movie because it was supposed to be a family movie he said so um i did think that was cool i um yeah, I don't really get – I didn't get that bit either. Like, Thor becoming a dad is not interesting to me. <laughs> and I don't, I'm like, I don't care about this. Why am I, Why are we supposed to care? And, and with how they squandered what I thought was an exciting opportunity for them to have him be a part of the Guardians of the Galaxy, I don't have a lot of hope that this woman is – this girl is going to become a key character in the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I was trying Universe, to figure so. out who the character is. Apparently, she's not even from the comics. She's just I, like a, a wholly new character for this movie and this storyline. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, that's fine. I don't, I'm okay with that. But I just sort of thought that that was very interesting in a ser- in a you know a universe that they try to yeah. tie everything and everything that shows up on screen is an Easter egg of some sorts. She I seems mean, to be nobody from what I can I tell. I can't help but feel like she's going to be a sacrifice and she's the daughter of eternity. That that's going to pull Thor in. But that's just more loss for Thor. I don't love that. I don't know. Fuck it. I'm not going to speculate. I, I almost wanted to go down a path of why are they killing his love interest when he's already lost like five times more people than anyone else. That's what Tyler Seriously. Was saying. Whatever. That's what yeah. Tyler was saying. More loss. Yeah. He just all lost for him. Um, Closing thoughts. I'll go well, first. Well, wait, wait, wait. Oh. Brian, you had mentioned that you don't stay for the second post credit scene, but did you stay for the first? Uh, remind me what it was. Russell Crowe, nursing yeah, his injuries. Yeah, he's still alive. I, I, and then who does he unveil, Jeff? Fall, fall back on my thoughts about Russell Crowe in general. I don't remember. Hercules. They oh, bring Hercules. Back, right. They bring Hercules in, and it's by the guy who plays Roy Kent in the in Ted Lasso, 
which is interesting because I actually don't like that character in that show. Um, he's one of the main reasons I stopped watching the show uh, halfway through the most recent season. Um, Hopefully this will be a fun addition to the MCU, I think. So what I wanted to point out here before we wrap it up is Thor in the comics is very different from the Thor that we get in the movies. And the Thor that we get in the movies is basically the Hercules from Marvel Comics. Is just like this very funny, sort of ridiculous, sort of dumb, very strong hero. That's exactly the Hercules from Marvel Comics. And they've given that personality to Thor. So I'm wondering if they're going to give the Thor from the comics personality to Hercules so that there's an actual... Um, you know, contrast between the two. What if he's a love interest? Have him be like a dumb. What? What if he's a love interest? What if they're both for just like Thor? a bromance? Yeah. What if there's just a bromance there? Do it. Yeah, I'm fine with that. That's I'm fine here for it. Me. But uh, yeah, I thought that that was interesting. I was wondering. I was really, really, really hoping that um, the post-credit scene was going to introduce Beta Ray Bill, which is the horse face alien that has the powers of Thor who in the comics wields a hammer called Stormbreaker. And now that Jane is dead and Mjolnir could be Thor's again, I thought maybe Stormbreaker would find his new master in Beta Ray Bill and it would be Thor and Beta Ray Bill raising a child together. (laughs) That would be really cool. And instead they didn't give us that and they gave us Hercules, which is not what I wanted. But anyway, any other thoughts on that from anybody? Seems um, like Russell Crowe will at least be back for the next Thor if they really are bringing Hercules into the Thor movies. Well, hopefully we do they know give that, him a workout montage and figure out that dad bod. We do know that um, <laughs> Better Ray Bill was seen as one of the faces of the champions in Sakaar, where Grandmaster well, the was. Alien, an alien of his race was. Sure. We assume it's him, right? Um, but I just want Beta Ray Bill because he's such a weird character, and I just don't understand why. Like Taika Waititi should have voiced Beta Ray Bill. That would have been way cooler. <laughs> um, I think that, uh, yeah, I agree with all of that. I, I, I uh, the second post credit scene was just Natalie Portman being accepted into Valhalla by Idris Elba. Yeah, Idris yeah, Elba um, shows up for a second, and uh, that's cool that's, that's he, because he kind of should have been a bigger character in Marvel, in my opinion. Yep. They gave him Heimdall because he was up and coming at the time, and then just didn't do anything with the character. So he was like, can I just be done with this? I'm sick of coming back for these. Um, But it was uh, cool for him to kind of re-enter and accept her in. I thought that was nice. To to wrap up a thought I had while you were talking, you mentioned a couple of times about things being cut from the film. I do know that uh, Jeff Goldblum and uh, Mark Ruffalo had scenes that were cut from the final cut of the film, which I would have loved to see Jeff Goldblum come back because he was one of my favorite parts of Floor Ragnarok. He definitely just seems so like he's funny fun. in that movie. I just watched that again too. I watched Thor Ragnarok, then Infinity War, then Endgame, and goddamn Ragnarok is so funny. It is also, such a funny movie. I also uh, did enjoyed you guys the... notice that Daryl? Were you going to say that? Mm-mm. Oh, Daryl from the Team Daryl shorts, uh, Thor's roommate during yeah, yeah. Civil War. He is the tour guide at New Asgard. Really? That's I was fun. like, oh, Daryl's back. Yeah, I thought that was fun. Uh, sorry, what were you going to say? You noticed? I was going to say. Glad to see Matt Damon, Luke Hemsworth, and Sam Neill reprise their roles as the theater actors. And Melissa McCarthy to make her entrance as Hela. That was very good. Um, I do like that after the tragedy strikes Asgard, they approach the king and are like, hey, so I think the people, what they really need right now is entertainment. So with your permission, we're going to write a play about what just happened. And they're just like really up their own butts about their art. I thought that was very fun. Yeah. Um, Cool. Yeah, I think... 
And any other final thoughts, Brian? You have any final thoughts or Easter eggs that you noticed? No, I think we can. Uh, I think we can wrap it there. It, it you know, my I'll, I'll just give my closing thought. Uh, definitely go see it. I, I accept it as a movie in the canon for Thor and the Marvel Universe. <laughs> you don't reject it <laughs> officially. Uh, I, I renounce this film. <laughs> it's fine by me. I I would I would describe it as a campier uh, Ragnarok, where they try yeah. to recapture that magic, and they got about. 70 percent of it and and it's yeah. and, it, and it's That's serviceable fair. i will give this movie like a solid b minus c plus rating if i were like actually giving it that like i don't think it's like an a it didn't hit on all marks but it definitely didn't fail at all i think it was watchable it's fun enough if i if it's on or i'm doing a rewatch i'm not gonna skip it so that's where yeah. i'm at with it um let's move on to what's clever uh well jeff what have you been watching reading listening to that you want to tell us about i'm doing i'm backtracking to be honest so i'm, I'm still re-watching naruto and uh on the plane uh to chicago i will be reading saga i'm on like volume two of saga i i uh reading through the omnibus of um wait did you buy the full yeah. you have it on your comicsology yeah Oh shit! Guess who's gonna reread re- 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 Saga? Yeah, boy. So, yeah. So that's that's what I've been doing. Um, Wait, did you buy all of them or just, just the first? There's one? only there's only oh, it's just the one. It's all of it. It's the whole thing. They have one. So that's only oh, gonna the, get a, you up to the hiatus. No, it's which the, already it, have yeah, all of it. Correct. It's the compendium. Yeah. Okay, so you you don't have any of the new stuff. No. Oh, okay. I already I don't think the I've new already stuff, read all of that. I don't know if the new stuff's actually coming out. I know that they said they're they are coming back. I don't know if it's they've out. actually got They started okay. coming back out. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Uh, the other thing I wanted to shout out as well is in Hawaii, we only had access to a certain number of channels and I fell in love with Australian Wipeout. If you guys are familiar with Wipeout, it's you know, people going out and doing mundane challenges. And the Australian wipeout was way more vicious than the wipeout than the American wipeouts that I've seen. People were getting the shit knocked out of them. It was hysterical. Um, That's funny. They're just so, like, what if we just almost killed people with these <laughs> foam bats? It it felt reminiscent of the old MXC um, without the extremely misogynistic and racist uh, voices. Yeah. Um, cool, Brian. Uh, I'll just make mine super fast here because we're on time. Um, Obviously, shouting out the boys that just had their season three finale, Psycho yeah. Superman and the boys. Uh, we were going to go through that, but I think just, we spent a lot of time on Thor, so we'll a have one, to so do that next time. week. But yeah, boys is is awesome as always. Season three, great installment. And other than that, a video game, which we haven't talked about video games in a while, but uh, Tyler got a little taste of this when he was over uh, for, the, <laughs> for the fourth celebration at my house. Um, it's called Until Dawn. Cool, fun oh. horror game for for you and friends to all be terrified together. So play that one on PlayStation. Cool. Or um, I guess you could play it on other consoles too. I don't really care. <laughs> and that's well, it. Well, I got two recommendations. I actually watched a lot this week, but um, I watched a documentary last night called The Girl in the Picture, new on Netflix. I think it is. Um, or maybe it was HBO Max, but it is a uh, really, really terrible sad story of kidnapping rape and lost identities um but it is just very intriguing and a very just like very sad story but also sort of uplifting in the way that people can come together to solve things um and then i watched a movie from 2010 that i've always wanted to watch and never watched called predators which is the third installment to the the predator franchise um where a bunch of special operatives killers from all over the world 
um, get dropped into a basically game reserve and get hunted by uh, the Predators from the Predator franchise. And it is actually pretty sick. I liked it quite a lot. And that's my recommendations. Um, I got to go to the bathroom, so I'm going to wrap up the podcast right here. Uh, reach out to us. Um, let us know what you thought about Thor. And Jeff, you look like you have something to say. There's a Predator video game where you can hunt your friends. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll look into that. Um, all right, guys. Thank you for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Probably talk about The Boys if Jeff has time to watch it. I'll watch it. <laughs> this week. And then uh, we'll talk about that next week. Sound good? Awesome. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Bye, everyone. everyone. Bye, guys. All right, guys. I'm going to... Thank you for listening to the Clever Kids Podcast. If you want more from us, be sure to follow us on social media. We're at Clever Kids Pod everywhere. Or you can get in touch with us at cleverkidspodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And be sure to rate us on whatever app you're listening on and recommend us to a friend. We really appreciate it. Or don't. Whatever's clever.